Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Welcome to First Forward, Advanced Scriptural Insight for Christian Soldiers. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Albany, Oregon. First Forward just dives right into the readings, which is the sixth. This is the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, which uh, is going to be right before uh, Ash Wednesday when we change from Epiphany to Lent. And so the the Sunday before Lent is always when we do Transfiguration. So this is Transfiguration Sunday, also known this year in year B, when we cover Mark, also known as Epiphany 6. The readings that uh, we'll be going over this morning are Second Kings chapter 2, Psalm 50, 2 Corinthians 4, and the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. And the Gospel reading for Transfiguration Sunday for Mark, Mark's year, year B, um, we have this transfiguration. We have Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and they meet Moses and Elijah. And so there are three and three, and three is an important number here. Um, Jesus is going to be part of the three with Moses and Elijah, Moses being the oldest back in Genesis, and then Elijah being the kind of middle prophet. And these are both prophets, uh, or they, these are people in their prophetic role. Moses is a judge. Uh, I, I think he's also called a prophet. He's not a priest. His brother Aaron is the priest. Elijah, on the other hand, is the prophet. He never dies. In fact, that's another one of our readings, which I'll get to. And then Jesus is set up in this role of the latest prophet. And the reading that this is paired with, 2 Kings 2, makes it very clear that Jesus is the new prophet. 2 Kings 2 talks about Elijah's death, and this gives us the reason why we, we you know, treat Elijah as never having died. He has an empty seat at Passover Seder dinners um, and in other situations uh, because he never experienced death. But he does go away, and his successor, Elisha, steps up. And so we'll turn to the readings for 2 Kings 2. Notice there are, th- there are themes of three. Not only is it Moses, Elijah, Jesus, and Peter, James, and John. Here we have two prophets going in a series of three places. They leave Gilgal. The first place they encounter is the River Jordan. Here, Elijah strikes the river just and separates the waters, an evocation of the crossing of the uh, uh, Sea of Reeds. Uh, uh, when they were fleeing uh, Pharaoh's army. Then they come to Jericho, which is the first site of battle for the Israelites as they enter the promised land. And then finally, Bethel is this city that has recurring appearances, but its translation is Beit Beit El, the house of God. And this is... uh, Linguistically, it is evoking the entire house of God, which includes the Israelites. They are the house of God. They house the tabernacle of God, which will go up in Shiloh until the United Kingdom. 
Um, but notice the three, the River Jordan, Jericho, and then Bethel. And this happens again in Joshua where they re-inscribe the story of Israel in their activities, their behavior. Uh, they are also circumcised in Joshua. So it's, it's repeating the same story to remember, to remind them why they're doing what they're doing, what they're doing, how it relates to their own history, and what, is going, what it's going to pave the way for in the future. Uh, now, the site of the transfiguration is not named in Mark's gospel or any gospel, but it's traditionally held to be Mount Tabor, which was the site of the Battle of Midian in Judges 4, and remembered in song, the Song of Deborah in Judges 5. This is the day of Midian, when Deborah and her commander Barak and the, the woman Jael, whose name means mountain goat, this is what Mount Tabor um, elicits in an Israelite memory. This is where Jesus goes to meet Moses and Elijah and brings three of his own people, Peter, James, and John. So this is through and through using the military history of Israel as inclusive to the story of, of Israel, but not the only thing about it. And it also draws on recent military history that they would have known about. Bethel was the site of a Maccabean fortress. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the Maccabees, the Hasmonean dynasty, they set up a military camp in Bethel. In Jericho, at Jesus's, during Jesus' lifetime, it was a site of Herodian military fort. It was also another Maccabean, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Maccabean, it was Seleucid, so it was the enemy encampment. And here again, in Jesus' time, Herod was not seen as necessarily the friend at all. And so these are enemy fortifications. Herod, uh, the inhabitants when Rahab was there, etc. Um, and then the Jordan is a remembrance point. In fact, Elisha, after Elijah's taken off, um, he grabs Elisha's coat or mantle. He rolls it up just like Elijah did, strikes the, the Jordan River just like Elijah did, and it parts just like it did with Elijah. And there's a bunch of prophets who are watching this, and they say, oh, yeah, the spirit of Elijah has rested on Elisha. And then listen to what happens in that story. As they're going up, they are met at these two locations by a company of prophets, each were native to the, the town first of Bethel. And they say, do you know this is the day Elijah leaves and you become the new prophet? And Elisha says, yeah, I know, shut up, right? Yes, I know, keep silent is the ESV, I think. And then Elijah asks Elisha again, do you want to come with me? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to come with you. Then at Jericho, another company of prophets says, the same thing. Do you know today you will become the new prophet and your master will leave? He answers the exact same. Yes, I know. Be silent. Yeah, okay, shut up, right? That silence is important for later for the reading in Mark. After these two town uh, prophetic circles say these things, they're saying it verbatim in each time, right? And he says, keep silent. And then it happens. And Elijah says to Elisha before it happens, if you keep looking, if you see it happen, you will get that double portion of my spirit. But if you don't see it, you won't get it. So not only is hearing and listening involved, but seeing and paying attention is involved. Paying attention being kind of the, the central thing, right? When he says, keep silent, he's really saying, let me pay attention to what's going on. Stop trying to distract me. Um, and maybe you should also listen too. 
So uh, Elijah's carried off. Elisha has his robe. He strikes Jordan River. The, the prophets are confirmed. And this is going on beyond the reading, but it will eventually go on um, to talk about the bears, that the two bears that maul the men. And it's really just, or yeah, the young men. Um, and people look at that and think, oh, how unfair. It's like our, your sense of unfair is not what's going on here. The story isn't about you. It's about what's going on and the power that God is giving Elisha, this new prophet. Jesus in Mark is the new prophet. And instead of the new prophet saying, shut up, God is the one who says it. Peter speaks up and says, uh, what do we do? Well, let's, let's make a Sukkot for you. And God says, Jesus doesn't say anything. But I just say they're terrified and he's just kind of blurting out, you know, brain farts. And so God says, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Right? That evokes what Elisha is telling the prophets. Keep silent. The, uh, you know, the implied message being, listen, listen with me. I'm listening. Stop distracting me. Focus on what's important. And so... Um, there's these thematic elements that the RCL, the Revised Common Lectionary, is trying to draw in. But there's also, I'm not, there's a part that I'm not sure that we always have seen, namely this military association, right? The new prophet, as soon as in 2 Kings 3, before, well, so 2 Kings 2, Elisha has received Elijah's power. And God has done this thing. He sends bears to, you know, show the, the young men not to be douchebags. Um, and so the, he strikes the water. There's a couple of miracles, right? Second Kings 3, there's a battle. Uh, there's some brouhaha with, I don't think it's Ahab. Uh, I, I can't remember who it is, but the Israelite king is like, I'm going to go to battle. Elisha helps advise him. Then in Second Kings 4, the Shunammite woman that uh, has a, a son that has died, Elisha raises the son up. And then in 2 Kings 5, we have the only place in the Greek Septuagint where we have the word baptizo, and it's applied to a foreign and a foreign soldier, Naaman the Syrian. Now think about that as we look at Luke 7, the soldier who is baptized, or the, the, the grace that comes to a foreign soldier, is Captain Marvel in Luke 7. And after that, a woman is healed, uh, the the... The Shun, uh, not, not the Shunammite woman, the woman, I think, with many husbands. And then just before that, there's Doubting John. So there's these repeating patterns of three where military experience and perspective is overlooked um, at the expense of understanding and, and fully comprehending what's going on. Uh, Luke 7 seems to draw very heavily on 2 Kings 2 and 2 Kings 5. I'm sorry, 2 Kings 4 and 2 Kings 5 for Captain Marvel and the woman, oh my goodness, uh, Nain, the woman from Nain in Luke 7 who has um, uh, healing brought to her uh, and it was the son. The son had died exactly like the Shunammite woman of 2 Kings 4. Um, the only difference is that Captain Marvel in, in uh, Luke 7 isn't baptized, but the first people baptized into the church is Cornelius in Acts 10. So there's these, I know it probably sounds like a conspiracy wall, like that meme uh, of Charlie from 
um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but it's there. If you just look, uh, if, if you look and only find the things that make you comfortable, that reinstill this idea that God is nice and gentle and meek and mild, and you know we just kind of we get upset that the bears mauled this guy, and it's like, well, if we believe in eternal life, there's worse things that can happen in death than death. Um, and that I'd rather have something bad happen to me to correct something bad that I did than to go on without correction and to become the kind of person who will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's just me, right? Life is fleeting, but if what we believe about Jesus is true, that he was resurrected and that we can be resurrected in some, in some way, then it's not about death, right? Death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Oppression is bad. Um, injustice is bad. The worst thing, though, the thing that will condemn you is to become a bad person, to spoil, right? Like, you know, old fish that's been left out on the counter. Um, those people who are oppressed, those people who are suffering, can be assured that it will end, right? With God's help, either in life or after life. Uh, but if you fuck it up, right? If you become a bad person, I'm sorry, that's it. That seems to be the message, the, the eschatological reality that Jesus and Christianity points toward, right? So, yeah, you're right. A bunch of young men uh, insulted a bald guy, and they got killed for it. But I, I, I suspect, I think, the kind of ethical framework I see the Bible as promoting or creating um, suggests that they did something screwed up, something screwed up happened to them, and the scales are reset. And they're probably in whatever you know, version of heaven we think existed during the Hebrew, uh, in, the, in Hebrew scriptures, right? Um, and so don't, don't get too caught up in yourself. Pay attention to what's important. Uh, the things that we, are being, that we are paying attention to might not feel good. They might not you know, feel satisfying in the nice you know, nonviolent, uh, kumbaya kind of way. But God and Jesus are not kumbaya nonviolent. There's something else. Um, I don't know what to call it quite yet. Um, but I think we have to notice these, these cues in our readings in the Old Testament and be able to connect what the message, what God is doing throughout and across the Old and New Testaments, as we like to call them. And part of that is coming to terms with the military history in the Old Testament and the military illusions and framework in the New. And I think this is one of those places where we have to do it, starting with the very base notion that Mount Tabor, if it's the site of the Transfiguration, Jesus is transfigured the same place Deborah and Barak won at the day of Midian. Like, that's a big deal. Jesus is the new prophet who succeeds and, and uh, overshadows Elijah, who fulfills the commandments of Moses that Moses brought, um, and that these, this lineage is unbroken, that we can't just kind of excise parts of Moses or parts of Elijah and Elisha or parts of Israel's history. To take it as a whole, we have to look at those uncomfortable bits and figure out and understand how they might fit into the whole. And so hopefully First Forward is helping you do that. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, if you've listened to this on the morning of at First Formation, 
I encourage you to keep thinking about it, um, it you know, and subscribe to First Forward if this is something that you want to uh, know in advance to be thinking about before you know the 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 Sunday actually arrives, uh, and, and you'll be supporting a veteran business as well, or, or at least I don't know if I'm a business, but I'm something close to it. Um, and I'd appreciate your support and uh, any feedback you have to offer. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or, if you serve military families, subscribe to First Forward, a paid subscription feed providing commentary on Sunday lectionary texts a week in advance. Use it for sermon prep or just because you support the troops. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instruction will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off of air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I haven't convinced you to fall in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. See you.